Uh, so now we go back to Catherine and let me say what you need to do here. We need to hold an event. Um, so after everyone has wandered the city during the current round, the player who first declared the compass finishes the round by creating an event that changes or alters the city in some way. Um, your event should be related to the compass that you set at the beginning of the round. Uh, or to a card that was played during the round. So an event is always connected to a neighborhood, landmark, or resident. And on your turn, you describe the event in a sentence or two, then choose the one card on the table it most closely relates to. Um, and you just kind of explain how something changed within the community. What is it? Uh, and if it isn't already clear, explain how this event serves as a connecting point between the card you have chosen and the compass currently in play. Um, so we'll write a quick summary of the event to start with. Uh, you know, this event might affect multiple residence landmarks or even multiple neighborhoods, but it really is, you really are picking that one central thing that it relates to. Um, and, you know, when in doubt, you know, you can kind of localize, even if something affects the entire city, think about how it's impacting this one specific thing. Um, and then once you describe the event, we will all take on the role of voices of the city. Um, but I can explain more about that once you frame the event for us. And Connor, I hate to put you on the spot right here, but can you give like an example? I'm pulling up the, the easy streets here to see. Sure, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, something that changes the city. Uh, something that changes the city could just be like the fortress breaks down. Oh, I kind of like that because Tony was explaining how if the fortress stays in one location for too long, that'd be depleting the, the resources around it. So I think that'd be a fantastic event to explore. Sure. And obviously that one is affecting the fortress itself. Um, now, once the person who chose the compass has created the event, start with the player to their left. Uh, the, the next player down, let's just say that. <laughs> um, and move, move you know, further down around the turn order. As a voice of the city, each player does one of the three following questions. Ask a question about the origins, implications, or repercussions of the event. This question is always rhetorical. Doesn't need to be answered. State an opinion in one or two sentences that some members of the community hold toward the event. Or show a consequence in a sentence or two of people in the city reacting to the event. So, let's see. I think next after Catherine is Kitty. So you get to start us off. Would you like to ask a question? State an opinion or show a consequence of the fortress breaking down. Hmm. I think that I will. I think I'll show a consequence of the fortress breaking down. So I mentioned that out in the sea of sand, which is kind of the liquidy sand that uh, the fortress travels through and that the crust sits on top of and the city's on top of the crust, uh, that things can be carried up through currents and pulled down through currents. Um, and so I have to wonder uh, what would happen if because the fortress is broken down, it's no longer moving the crust, if the very outskirts of the crust have started to get swallowed in the moving sands. Oh no, <laughs> that would suck. That is a good consequence to imagine. Uh, all right, so 
Cleric, now you get to ask a question, state an opinion, or show a consequence. Yeah. I am going to, I guess, a consequence of the fortress, the ascending fortress uh, breaking down, is going to be that the uh, salt cake factory is going to not be able to make their salt cakes for very long. It's They're going to deplete the vast amount of salt um, from not moving from side to side, from place to place. That makes sense. All right. Uh, Tony, question, uh, opinion, or consequence? And these are that the the residents have like for the question and the opinion it's an opinion that the residents have about the event so for the opinion is some members of the community hold toward the event so you don't even need to name a specific person uh for the question and the consequence that's can be more you know top level okay um some members of the community hold the opinion that they must have done something wrong that this mm-hmm. power this unknown power that that moves the city moves the fortress is displeased uh and i think i will state an opinion that some of the folks at puerto 15 hold where honestly they're glad that they don't have to bring in their stuff you know at a set time every day um, they're glad that they don't have to worry about, you know, uh, which part of the Landberg they're going to show up in the next morning. They're glad that they can start sending out semaphores to people that, like, this is where you can find us. You don't have to follow some arcane set of principles. This this seems like progress to them. And now, Catherine, you get to be the final word. Uh, you also get to uh, be a voice of the city and ask one of these three things. Or do one of these three things. Ask a question, state an opinion, or show a consequence. While keeping in mind that, you know, this this alters the city in some way. Alright, so we established that the Earth spirits are displeased um, because it's depleting the natural resources. The people are... Some people think that. A consequence. We established that the consequence would be less resources for the salt mines. Um, I guess my question is, has happened before? Is that why... Uh, uh, Puerto Alambre is in disrepair? An excellent question. We don't have to answer. Uh, okay, so in what ways do you think the city changes here? It sounds like we're kind of coming back to uh, the salt cake factory. Maybe it's, uh, let's see, it's... Uh, yeah. At any point during the event phase, the player who declared the event may select a card or cards on the table that they feel have been changed by the circumstances of the event and reflect those changes on that corresponding card. This could take the shape of rewriting a landmark's address or a neighborhood's reputation, moving a resident from one landmark to another, or altering a card's true name or title. So this is up to you, Catherine. Um, based on all the voices you just heard and the own voice you just contribute, what do you think changes in the city? It sounds like the area most affected by this would be out in the flats if it's affecting the salt cake factory. Sure. And if the resources are being depleted out there, we probably won't have lobster lash anymore. Oh, no. (laughs) So maybe we could 
changed the true name of Lobster Lash to, like, Abandoned Fairgrounds. Or maybe that's the address. It's not the main event anymore. It's Abandoned Fairgrounds. Something like that. Can I make two changes? You, you can make as many changes as, as you want, as long as they're related to the event. Probably won't be any more roaring crowds or reconstituted foods, but mm-hmm. there'll probably be some feral lobsters that were formerly part of Lobster Lash. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> These lobsters pitch back. <laughs> People, please stop taking your lobsters out to the flats and abandoning them. <laughs> They're just growing larger and larger. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, those those changes both uh, definitely sound true. Anything else? I, th- I think I must enough things. One <laughs> landmark. All right. The Lobster Lash. <laughs> uh, that's a great name. I don't. I don't. It was a sandfish smash. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm leaving that um. in. Um, <laughs> Kitty, uh, you are up as our next compass. No pressure, but yeah, like five minutes to think about this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, my compass for this round is going to be the liquid sands or the great sand sea. The great sand sea works for me. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, are you going to make a neighborhood, landmark, or resident as your first act as Compass? Oh gosh, I thought I was going to be doing an event. <laughs> you will be as the very oh. as the very last thing you do as a Compass. So keep that in okay. your pocket. Well, I guess I want to make I want to make a landmark. Okay. And this landmark is going to be in the flats. Okay. And this landmark is going to be called, uh, its title will be The Chop. Because it's like the chop shop, but with shop cut off. The chop. (laughs) (laughs) Because they took that part of the title and used it to make the shot shop. And its address is going to be an abandoned factory next to the former Lobster Lash. And its true name is Hot Metal Smoke Axle Grease. I'm sorry, what was that third one? Axle Grease. Axle Grease? Yeah. Or, or basically any any kind of grease that you would use to lubricate machinery. No, Axle Grease is great. It's just for some reason it kept like ducking. Like the audio oh. got like really low pitched. <laughs> axle Grease is great. Okay. The chop. I like it. And this really is a place where people, again, come to get that kind of gray market. Not explicitly illegal, but definitely probably not fully legal either type of material that is obviously the best for making all of those amazing Subitan devices, mm-hmm. especially the ones that explode or go real fast <laughs> or that you can use to modify your racer that you attach to your sand lobster. For your, your arthropod racing. <laughs> yes, for all your arthropod racing or arthropod rodeo needs. 
Now this is arthropod racing. I've, I've been waiting so long to make that pun. <laughs> it's, it's like pod racing from episode one. Anyway, uh, Cleric, would you like to make a neighborhood landmark or resident? I think I'm going to make a resident. Cool. Our second resident. Where does this resident live? Which landmark are they attached to? I shouldn't say where they live. It's just, you know, like, what are they most attached to? Like, what do you think of when you think of them? So when you put it that way, Hmm. um, (laughs) I think they're most attached to the park. And I I guess I've already been referring to them as they, them. So that'll be their pronoun. And their title, that's their name, right? Yeah, that's their, it's the name people call them. Um, I guess their name, God, I'm so, I'm so bad at naming things. <laughs> You've um, seen my naming scheme. It's like weird thing and other weird thing for half of these people, <laughs> unless you're from the Reverend Assemblage, unless in which case it's like sentence fragment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like all of my names, like for, for Arbalun's animals are just like two animals put together. <laughs> you know what? Well, it works. Here you can just go two mechanical things put together or two mm-hmm. bits of mecha- mechanical Oh, components. oh, that's good. Um I guess this person's name is uh I don't know what mechanical things are. Uh <laughs> Gearbo crankshaft. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> like the, like the old bus driver in the comics. No, this is this is you. This is you. Um, well, I mean, we had gadget. Gadget comes from there, and I think we had somebody named Wire in our microscope, or not Wire, Copper in our microscope game. Oh, so we did really have someone named Copper. Mm-hmm. That was right. Um, and somebody could be named that again. I think this person's name is going to be Insular Ground. I love it. Good friends with Partial Cloudy. <laughs> and yeah, so frame us a little vignette. How do we get to know the true name of Insular Ground? So I guess you see Insular Ground as a child first. Um, and they're playing in the park and they're growing up in the park. Um, but as you watch them grow up and they move on from the park, you see them become a sandfisher on the sand seas, um, riding a giant lobster or on a sand boat being pulled by a giant lobster um, on the sand seas, uh, fishing for for food or maybe on looking for some sort of adventure away from where they grew up in Puerto Alambre. And yet they still always seem drawn back to that park. Yes. They still seem connected to it. Very cool. All right. So what do you think their true name is? I think their true name is Devoted. Um, I, I don't know if devoted is the right word. Rooted. That's a word. Rooted. Um, growing. And adventurous i like these are all also things you could use to describe a vine (laughs) (laughs) rooted growing and adventurous yes uh and and what are wires if not metal vines if you think about it (laughs) but sorry what were you saying yeah that's where i was going 
<laughs> vines, you know. I, you can you can take myriad out of Arbalad, but you can't take myriad out of me. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> so should I add carbon fibrous to this? Yeah. Um, all right. Well, nice to meet you, Insular Ground. Uh, and Tony, neighborhood landmarker resident. I'm going to do a landmark in the spindles. Cool. Yay. I'm excited that someone is doing that. <laughs> and this is the stilts. And the stilts are, they're stilt houses that are built between the spindles with the, the rope walkways going between them. And these facilitate the means, they're a place of living trade and also means of, you know, they go, people go to the spindles to find things in the sand. And that includes, you know, fishing, scavenging, all of that. And this is what helps facilitate that. Mm-hmm. The address, say, above the sands, above the flowing sands, and the true name is what I have the most struggle with. Um, <laughs> true name. Ooh, I like the idea of creaking ropes, because you said there's rope bridges between the, the buildings, right? Definitely. Nice. Creaking, like creaking ropes. ropes, desiccated wood. I was just thinking maybe desiccated wood because it's so dry and hot. Like the wood wouldn't like rot like it would when it's wet. It would just be that baked grayish wood that you get when you're when you have wood out in the desert. Yeah, I I have creaking ropes, desiccated wood, and swaying in the sand winds. I love it. And that's that's that. Alright, so it falls to me, and I think I'm going to make a resident of the stilts. I think I think this one oh I just had it in mind. What was it? Oh, I had a good name. Oh. <laughs> Hold on. Don't, don't pressure no. yourself too hard. That'll make it chase away. I know, I know. Um oh yeah, okay. Mm. Eerie patina. Yeah. Eerie like the lake. Patina, like the stuff that collects on copper. Uh, and Eerie Patina is, uh, I think, any, like Augustine. Uh, and let's see, the true name of Eerie Patina, who is a, um, a sand searcher. Um, somebody who looks for, you know, artifacts out in the sands, you know, hauls them up, brings them back to uh, sell, you know to maybe to the chop depending on what it is uh well actually they probably bring it to the chop and then the chop sells it at a huge markup to people in part 15 um and let's see i think their true name is once a lapis always at a lapis um and the lapis eye uh, as a reminder, since they haven't really come up that much in the game yet, is the intelligence division of the Azure Empire. Oh my gosh, yeah. Oh, so they're all related to blue, like Indigo Analytics, Lapis Eye, Azure Empire. 
Yeah, I was really thinking of a lot of blue things about 11 months ago. (laughs) (laughs) There's even more blue things that you haven't encountered yet. Look forward to it. Wait Uh, until we run into the blueberry man. A blue house, a blue window. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, And I think that is the scene we see of Eerie Patina um, hauling up some black box you know us as the audience have no idea what it does but eerie knows what it does uh and eerie hauls it uh, straps it to the back of their um you know old but faithful lobster hauls it over to the chop um and you know on their way back just drops off a report at the neighborhood um what do they call vast chronicle and semaphore station and we don't see what the report is, but it's a little odd that somebody who just searches the sand for a living all day has a neat and tidy report all bundled up, ready to go. I just got this image of them in my my head as essentially uh, Kurt Russell playing Snake Plissken as an old sand scavenger, <laughs> complete <laughs> yep. with eye patch. Uh-huh. And like leather, it's not really like a vest. It's kind of a vest. It's like a shirt that doesn't have sleeves. <laughs> a leather shirt with a leather sleeveless shirt. Because when you think of a, a vest, le- you think of like a certain neckline. But this is just a shirt without sleeves. A leather tank top. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess that is just a tank top. But there's something very un-tank top-like about Snake Fliskin's top. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, extremely leather-esque, however. Um, and with that, I'm going to stop hogging it and uh, seat the floor to Catherine. All right, wonderful. All right, before I I tell you where I want to place my landmark. Uh, Tony, so you're saying that the fortress is called the Ascending Fortress because it ascends from the depths of the liquid sands up to its new location, right? Am I picturing sure. this correctly? We'll go with that's why I stuck with that name. <laughs> exactly. But then it heckin' broke. So I want to create a landmark, please. Under the Ascending Fortress. All right. And my connection to the Great Sand Sea would be there was a sand quake. And there's going to be a piece of the fortress that's now in ruins. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So yeah, this is like this is like long before it broke down. There was just a part that was broken. It still it still operated without it. There's just there was just always been this this been this broken part. Is that the idea, or is this more recent? This is the the I don't know where in the timeline we're placing this. You know, the broken fortress. It, it stopped moving at one point. Mm-hmm. So I'm placing this more recent time event. Okay, okay. So this is this is a ramification, a further ramification of that event. Yeah, that's totally cool. Okay. It will be located, uh, it will have to be in a pretty prominent section of the Ascending Fortress to make this a significant impact. Um, near the immediate entrance of the, of the Ascending Fortress. Sure. Okay, oh, oh, hold on. You just implied mm-hmm. something that is very interesting. Oh, no? The Ascending Fortress has an entrance. Uh, it so it has now. like a door, yeah. but people just haven't opened it. Because they don't know how? Did you say that before, Tony? Uh, I said that, I believe I said that it was just, I didn't use the word impenetrable, but it was <laughs> the the knowledge of how to gain entrance was not passed down. It died with the children of the wire. Right, right. 
And now what we've discovered on top of that here is that there's clearly a spot where you would go in. It's just people mm-hmm. don't know how to get it there. <laughs> cool. All right. Um. All right. What are the vibes here? Um. Urban? Exploration. Um. Forbidden. And... Hmm. Yeah, because this is probably really fascinating, right? Like maybe this, we maybe we don't know if this connects to the interior structure. Um, maybe people are still like mapping it, but this is probably like a big opportunity to like look inside what was before, as as Tony said, um, you know, something that you just couldn't get in. It's a good thing our crew is so good at breaking an entry. All right. <laughs> <laughs> What is Chalice going to do when when they see whatever spirits might be there? Mm, oh, that'll be interesting. Chal- Chalice <laughs> has a plan. Thanks, <laughs> thanks in no small part to that cool book you gave her. Gave them, sorry. Um, uh, That's my fault. Nobody misgendered Chalice till I described them as Dora the Explorer, and then it all just went down <laughs> there. And I'm sorry, everybody. No, I, uh, I, the first time we introduced Chalice, I did a ton. So, sorry, Chalice. Um, you're a they, them, Chalice. and I love you. But if you die, you'll still die. These things happen. I make <laughs> I no guarantees. Picture Chalice as the little baby nature witch from. Uh, thirsty sword lesbians. That's what Alice <laughs> looks like in my in my mind. My head came in. <laughs> that gave us some great art. Uh, Kitty, it is your turn to wrap this up, and I believe this will, uh, considering the time we have here, actually be our final move. So go ahead and frame us an event, and then we will be the the voices in response. Excellent. And by the way, you're not allowed to take away our barrack, the cleric. <laughs> i like playing chalice i just don't want you know i don't want any of those vibes of like oh yeah the gm's got a character they only love you know they no. keep them around so they can play them um, <laughs> i don't get those vibes so an event that is connected with the great sand sea that we have also called the flowing sands and the shifting sands because that's really what it is it's sands that move like liquid and that is what sand so often does is it moves like liquid so i uh i'm thinking about the weather on this landberg and i'm thinking about how we experience you know weather events you know we have el nino and we have um alaska has breakup season right where all the ice and the snow begin to melt and everything floods and gets all muddy and, and really mucky. So I'm thinking that there's going to be weather here on Subita, including weather that affects this great sand sea. And I want to create an event called the Upswell. And the Upswell is a, a weather event where currents in the sand sea seem to shift and bring a whole lot of things that have been long buried and sunken into the sea up to the surface. And it doesn't necessarily happen every year. So when it does happen, it's kind of this major event because all of the sand scavengers and sand fishers 
are rushing out there to try to scavenge what's brought up. And it can really vary. It can be bits of old buildings. It can be bits of old tech. It can be bones. It can even be the occasional, um, the occasional artifact. But the drawback of this is that if currents in the sand are bringing things up to the surface, that means that there's going to be a, uh, an undertow. There's going to be a backflow. Uh, and so it becomes very dangerous to navigate the sand sea, if, especially if you're not well-versed in it, because you could accidentally wind up in a part that's got one of those undertow back currents and get sucked under. Okay. And what, um, what neighborhood landmark or resident do you think this is most directly tied to? Obviously it can affect everything, but if you just had to say like one focal point for this, what would it be? The spindles. Cause the spindles are, are where the, uh, the solid crust meets the more liquidy sand sea. All right. So I think you've done a good job of framing that. There's an S on spindles. Multiple. Spindles. Plurals. <laughs> okay. So that was Kitty, and now we all go around and we play the voices of the city again. So let's see, according to the order, Cleric, you'll start us out, and you can ask a question, which is left hanging in the air. You state an opinion uh, in one or two sentences that some members of the community hold toward the event, or show a consequence in a sentence or two of people in the city reacting to the event. I think that there are some members of the community who have a certain fear whenever the upswell brings things up. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it's for the safety of their community, um, or maybe it's for the change in the economy that happens um, because Mm -hmm. of the upswell Um, Mm -hmm. or maybe it's because there are things that they don't want to see come out of the sand sea maybe there are scary things down there Um, but (laughs) I (laughs) I would like to think that there are people who are scared whenever this happens yeah, that makes sense. And Kitty, that is also where my mind went to immediately. Like, is this a <laughs> is this a Fargo situation? Like, you know, the oh, it looks like the bodies are coming up again. Yeah, um, you toss the bodies in yeah. the sand sea, but next up, swell, will <laughs> they stay down? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I like that, cleric. I think that makes a lot of sense. That kind of general unease about all of the bad things that might come along, along with this, you know, often economic opportunity, right? Well, yeah, because, like, sailors are very superstitious folks, so. <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right, so, Tony, your turn to be a voice. Um, I was going the opposite direction of the people not looking forward to this. I think that there are residents with the opinion that this is great, Um, And actually, there are residents that moved here just for the (laughs) for the event of treasure hunting and adventure and seeing what they can find in the upswells. 
yeah, that makes a lot of sense too. You know, there's there's opportunity there, um, and there are people coming to Subidi for all kinds of reasons, right? Yeah, I love that idea because that also implies that there could be foolhardy wealthy tourists who come during upswells because of the adventure of it not realizing that how dangerous it could potentially be if you don't have somebody who's really well versed in reading the sands definitely always opportunities for the for the suckers right (laughs) all right so that was tony now it's back to me let's see I think the question that I'm going to ask is, is this related to the fortress breaking down? Because we know that upswells don't always happen. They don't happen on a schedule. It's kind of weird that these two sea, chains, sea changes to the Landberg happen together. And Catherine. All right. Um, I'm also going to ask a question independent of whether it's related to the breaking down of the fortress. If the fortress is no longer able to move, would it get buried by the upswell? Yeah, because we know that the fortress is on the softer sand, right? That's how it's able to move. Excellent question. All right, so now we return to Kitty to be the final voice of the city. All right, and the voice is either it's an, an opinion, a question, or what was the final thing? A consequence. Consequence consequence all right let me think about this one hmm yeah okay yeah i'm gonna go with what i suggested earlier which was kind of just me like riffing off of the cool things people had said especially i think tony um that there is kind of a niche tourist industry (laughs) where particularly you know foolhardy wealthy uh adventurous types come to Subita, especially to the spindles um, during the upswell because the upswell lasts for a little bit demanding to be taken out or demanding to rent a sand ship (laughs) so that they can go try their luck at uh, finding what there is to be found out there Um, and the people of the spindles have various feelings about that. Some are like this is excellent these people coming here bring us income you know and and give us a a more steady flow of income than just hoping we can find something out there but others are really like these idiots are part of what's leading to uh riffing off of what people are saying that the the temple the fortress broke down because something was angry maybe something's angry because these people are coming and desecrating the great sand sea makes a lot of sense all right, so now we alter the city, and since this is your event, Kitty, you get to make the say. Um, you could move landmarks, you could move residents, or you could just change individual uh, parts. You know, like um, you said, this was most related to the spindle, so I mean, it would make sense if something related to the spindle changed. The spindles, I'm sorry, plural. Um, <laughs> the spindles, uh, but it could be anything. So, uh, like as an example, Catherine changed um lobster lash which you know with as a result of the the fortress breaking down um and things not moving around anymore becoming like abandoned so what change Mm. what change potentially plural would you like to make what do i want to do with the city um 
I like this idea of of sandquakes that was mentioned, um, I think, by Catherine. And I just want to say maybe this could be like a citywide change that during periods of the upswell, sandquakes are more common. And that, in fact, perhaps when sandquakes happen during the upswell, um, you might see little part, little fractures in the crust. And so there might be some fear around, like, is this fracture going to grow? Because what if the city got separated? Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's zoom in. Where is one spot where this happens? Where is one spot where there might be a fracture in the crust? Uh... I think it would be really interesting to see there be a fracture. Uh, let's go with, uh, I'm really torn. Do I want to see it in Sandfish Wharf or do I want to see it in uh, Puerto Alambre? Mm. I was thinking even the fortress could be interesting because this could actually open it. Oh, that might be interesting too. Yeah, maybe. I, I kind of want to see it in multiple areas, but yeah, I think that like, well, I think you, part of the, cons- what were you saying? You have the power to do it in multiple areas. <laughs> you totally yeah. do. I mean, I just, I, I, I don't want there to be any massive crack yet, but I want maybe cracks showing up in places like uh, Puerto Alambre, Sandfish Wharf, and, and near the fortress. And while they aren't necessarily massive yet, they're starting to lead to some concern because people don't know how big they'll get and what will happen if there's a separation of the crust. Okay. So I've added Cracking Earth to the true name of Puerto Alambre. How did you want to reflect that with, uh, was it the fortress you said? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh-huh. So just like spreading cracks here on the, the fortress as well? Uh, yeah, especially near the entrance, because I see the entrance is really being a space where the fortress kind of tethers to, uh, the rest of, it's a connection in some way of mm-hmm. the fortress to the rest of, to the rest of Subita. So who knows what would happen if the cracks spread near the entrance. And these are cracks in the earth, right? Yes. Kitty, I like your words of yet, um, being the operative words here, um. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like implying that the whole thing's going to break apart, uh, which we've established in our microscope game that at one point in the ancient history, the Lambergs were part of a continent that kind of broke apart. So it's happened before. That's canon. The not calamity. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and now the final thing, which I actually forgot to do with you, Catherine, so we'll come back to you in a second, um, is completing an event. The player who declared the event is the last player to take a voice of the city. Um, after the leading player takes on the final voice of the city, they should end the event phase by writing a second perspective um, about the event. So this this other perspective should somehow complicate the uh, our understanding of the event it adds a new point of view that came up during the conversation or one that was previously unconsidered so what do you think is another point of view something we hadn't thought about at the beginning when you initially told us about the upswell that uh, is now clear now Hmm. well i think that one thing that might be an interesting point of view because we have the conflicting point of views points of view you know is this 
a fantastic thing because it leads to an economic upswell, an upswell, an economic upswing. <laughs> is this really uh, troubling because it potentially spells damage and doom for the city? Uh, you know, is this an irritant because it brings in these kind of foolhardy tourist types? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one very interesting thing is if things are being brought up over and over and over from down in the depths of the, the Great Sand Sea, what's down there? And can people find a way to travel underneath the sands to find it? That's uh, an excellent question. Can we get there? Right, because I get the sense that most of the most time and attention is spent kind of on the surface of the sands. But clearly things are able to travel through these liquid shifting sands. Mm -hmm. And I don't think the modern people of Subita really have a clear idea of what's what's underneath. Definitely. Maybe the maybe the children of the wire had an idea, but they're not what they once were. No. Okay. Uh, Uh, Sorry, go on. I was going to say, I love this idea of sand, actually, because now I'm thinking of silica. And wouldn't uh, silicon be related uh, to tech? I think so. I'm not sure how. It's been a while since I took chemistry class, but I think I think <laughs> that is correct. Uh, all right, and now doubling back, Catherine, we also need um, kind of a uh, uh, following perspective on the fortress breaking down, too. Similar to what what Kitty just gave there is our under our expanded understanding from another viewpoint related to the fortress. All right, so we had a moving fortress. Um, having it break down in one area depletes natural resources around it. The question is, why was the fortress considered impenetrable? There must be a reason why the ancient uh, children of the wire followers made this fortress impenetrable to people outside of there following um so there's gotta be something cool to complicate that let's see where would i place this is this like a question or no i was just uh putting it on the basically the flip side of the event so i just kind of wrote down a summary of of the thought there so that was perfect okay so we've completed the event and we went back to complete the other event which i forgot about um, so normally to end the session, we would sort of have a lightning round without a compass or every, anybody could co- declare events, but we're about at the end of our normal playing time. And I think we've got a pretty nice spread here. I feel like my understanding of microscope, of, microscope, of Subita is like, it doesn't feel like anything has shifted in a way that I'm like, Hey, that doesn't make sense. It just feels like <laughs> this went in some unexpected ways that, you know, um, percolating with the possibilities now. So thank you all very much for for helping me fill this out. And not just helping me fill this out. Thank you very much for filling this out and allowing me to join you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that was, I'm sorry, did you say Street Magic? A city-building story game by Caro Assertion. Uh, you can find Caro on Twitter at, I believe, let me make sure. Yes, it is C Excursion, all one word. Um, uh, made a lot of cool stuff. Uh, and we will be back to our normally scheduled Scum and Villainy campaign with our next session. And we will see what the crew of the Beluga gets up to in this new city that we suddenly know so much about. 
So, look forward to that. Cool. We didn't name our city. We didn't. You're right. <laughs> I had a, a name from my old prep that from before we even did this when I thought I was just going to call it a Landberg. Or when I thought I was just going to prep it like any other Landberg. Um, now, the name, the name of the fortress I had uh, was Delta Retort. Because it, since it's shaped like a step pyramid. Um, and it could be that the city around it is named after that. But that definitely doesn't have to be the case. And, you know, I mean, it could just be Subita City. <laughs> it honestly could, could just be Subita City. Yeah. I'm good with whatever. Delta is a little bit more inspired. <laughs> I do like the idea of, you know, the, the Central Fortress, you know, kind of lending its name eventually. Like, people probably, like, when it was just the folks on Subita and there weren't skyships, like, they just called it, you know, like, this is our Landberg. But when when commerce became more common, they needed to call it something. <laughs> that makes sense Uh okay so we can stick with Delta Retort or just the Delta Uh, and if anybody else thinks of any cool names cool name goes here (laughs) before our next session uh, 100% open to that 